Welcome back to the Almost Shameless Podcast. I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox. Thank you for joining me. It was quite a week in football. And because the Patriots played the marquee game of the week on Monday Night Football, this is an all-Patriots podcast. It's an all-Patriots Bills Monday Night Football and how it fits into the broader scope of the rest of the season and the aftermath and just the reactions, all of it. It's all about that this week. And I couldn't be more thrilled because as I'm intimating here, what happened in the Bills Patriots game had more to do with the rest of the league, I think, than we maybe initially anticipated. Everybody knew this was going to be a good game. Everybody was looking forward to it. We know this because it's all anyone's talking about on Tuesday. And it will be that way for the rest of the week until the Patriots, actually for the next few weeks, because the Patriots are coming up on their bye. So this was a monumental game and it had a lot of implications. The Patriots are now in sole possession of the number one seed. And I did my work on ESPN's playoff generator. And even if all of the AFC teams in contention, the other teams with four losses, all win during the Patriots bye week, they will not overtake the Patriots in that number one seed. So they will go into the game against the Colts as the number one seed. And that will be another interesting game. The Colts are a totally different team. This is a game that's going to be played indoors, no elements. So it's, you know, there's a lot to look forward to here, but right now we're breaking down everything Patriots bills because it was a historic game. You know, every time we think we've seen everything that Bill Belichick can show us, he comes out with something else. And that's one way to describe the game. That game was something else. So we're going to get into it. I do want to talk about the game itself, how they utilized the run game, how they utilized Mac Jones, some of what went wrong for the Bills, and of course the reaction in the aftermath. Specifically the reaction to whether or not Bill's uh, performance as a coach was as impressive as some people seem to think, uh, whether or not they, uh, their use of Mac Jones is an indication of their belief in his ability to pass or uh, whether it's an indictment on Mac at all. Some people, there are people on both sides of this, right? As per usual. And we'll talk a little bit about the Bills reaction to the loss. And I do think it all culminates and not just the story of the Patriots this season, not just the story of the AFC this season, but the story of teams contending with rookie quarterbacks. And so we'll take a little historic dive back into what exactly it is that teams do when they have rookie quarterbacks to succeed and win playoff games and make the playoffs. Hot stuff coming up. So let's just get to it. The Patriots won 14 to 10 in Buffalo, as we said, to go to nine and four, secure the number one seed in the AFC, secure the solid lead in the AFC East and the bills dropped to seven and five. They are starting to be on the fringe of playoff contention with teams like the Colts and the Bengals and the chargers all vying for that spot there. Um, lots of teams still not out of it. Teams like the Browns, you never know. So it is a very competitive situation down in the middle of the AFC right now. And the bills are in that mix and it's not where they wanted to be. They really thought that this was going to be their division for the next few years, maybe foreseeable future, considering their uh, breakout season with Josh Allen last year, making it all the way to the AFC championship game. This is a massive disappointment for them. And especially because these two teams are playing again in a, in a few weeks, 
They don't have a ton of time to lick their wounds. They are going to have to get back on the saddle. And it was a tough loss. Now, let's talk about the conditions because we heard it all night long. The wind was blowing 50 to 55 miles per hour. Each team was really aggressively trying to use the wind to their advantage when they had it, minimize mistakes when the wind was against them. We saw this was for real wind. We saw one of Jake Bailey's punts literally hit a wall of wind and just fall. I mean, he was, it was a struggle all night to get things done going into the head of that wind. And it wasn't just the eye test, right? Everybody on the field, the players said they were conditions they had not dealt with. Mac Jones specifically said he'd never been in weather wind like that. The pregame, the ESPN pregame crew was absolutely freezing their asses off. They were talking, I mean, I believe uh, Randy Moss like ran off the field as soon as they could, sort of joking how absolutely freezing and awful the weather was. Everybody there was talking about it. And let me just say, I saw a lot of weirdos on Twitter and not just random fans. I'm talking about media saying that games like this, these outdoor games with the insane weather, the element games are not worth watching, that the game always sucks and they wish all games were played indoors. Let me be clear. I know I have a lot of strong takes on this podcast and I know I'm probably the boy who cried wolf, but I cannot think of a worse take from somebody who covers the NFL professionally than I don't like games in weather. This game was designed to be played outdoors. It was always played outdoors. Until the 60s, it was played outdoors. And until more recently, most of the games were still played outdoors. It doesn't mean I hate games indoors. It doesn't mean I don't appreciate the shootouts that can happen, the offensive sort of bursts that can happen. But football is a very multidimensional game. And it's not just about being able to watch a quarterback drop back and place their passes perfectly because there's no wind and there's no elements whatsoever. That is not what the game is. This is not arena football. If you want arena football, that is something you can go enjoy. You can go watch, go watch an arena football game and leave the rail football to the rest of us who actually want to watch legitimate team football played defense, special teams, offensive line, doing their job in the elements. Some of the greatest games we've ever watched have been played in the weather. The ultimate equalizer. If your team's not built to win in the weather, what are you doing? Chicago Bears lose the Arizona Cardinals in Chicago in pouring rain. The Buffalo Bills apparently are not built to play in their own weather. Okay, sounds like a you problem. You live in Buffalo. You play half your games in Buffalo and you're not built to run the ball against Bill Belichick? Sounds like a personal problem. This is how we find out how teams build themselves, how they structure themselves, how they are able to adapt to different situations. It happens in baseball all the time. All different kinds of parks, all built different, different outfield, different dimensions, certain parks you can blast a home run. It's into the stands and other parts. That's not even a double. It is what it is. That's sports. I just don't understand the complaining. So moving on from that, uh, the Patriots ran the ball down the Bills throats and the Bills, whether they were with the wind or against it, were trying to throw the ball. And largely they did that unsuccessfully. I was actually surprised at how well Josh Allen was able to throw the ball considering the conditions 
especially between the twenties before they were in the red zone. I mean, it was honestly just another reminder that that guy's arm is truly outrageous. He's a very talented athlete. And I, I think that if the bills had started letting him use his legs a little earlier on in the game, it would have put the Patriots defense back on their heels a little bit, but they didn't. And I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure why again, this comes down to coaching. This comes down to scheme and game plan. And they just were not executing on their best level for what they were handed with the elements and with the team that they were playing against. Conversely, Bill Belichick clearly had a plan. He was going into this game with, and he stuck to it, both him and Josh McDaniels. They had a plan. Now, when it comes to playing in the elements, extreme weather conditions, serious snow, serious rain, serious wind, it is football 101. I tweeted this last night to over rely on the things that are the ultimate strengths of your team, because when you get into those elements, it brings you down to your most basic level. Yes. It can even things off against a team like the bills who can pass really well, but it also brings you down to your base level, just like it does them. And at their core, the 2021 Patriots are a running team with an elite defense. So Bill Belichick went into that game knowing if we are going to win this game, it will be on the backs of our running backs and our defense. He knew that going in. Josh McDaniels figured out real quick that Mac was not going to be able to successfully throw the ball in those conditions. Could he have thrown the ball a few more times and maybe completed a few more passes? Probably. But at what risk? Why? Why would you risk it at that point? What you were doing was working. You did it. All you needed to do was stay one point ahead of the Bills and trust your defense. And when you have a, a defense like the Patriots have, and you start making your rookie quarterback pass in wind conditions like that, you are telling your defense, I don't trust you to stop Josh Allen going into 50 mile an hour winds. Unnecessary. We will get more into what their plan was with Mac. But at the end of the day, the Patriots won the game by rushing 46 times for 222 yards and getting Nick Folk into field goal range when they had the wind at their box. That was the plan. And it takes incredible patience, foresight, and trust in your players and in what you've built all season to stick to a game plan that conservative and that predictable after a while, right? To stick to it knowing that you can still beat them. You've got the lead. You, all you need to do is hold on to it and protect it and to trust your defense to do that. There are so many coaches. There are so many coaching staffs who couldn't, who wouldn't do it. So we'll get into it, but there's a lot more to it than Bill Belichick just sticking with a conservative offense. The only real mistake that the Patriots made was letting Nikhil Harry field that punt and you know, Nikhil just didn't get out of the way of the ball. We don't know what was going on. It was a huge mistake, but it just is one of those things where it's like they, again, just didn't lose their cool. They just didn't lose their cool. They handed the Bills seven points with that mistake. Nikhil Harry got back out on the field, blocked his ass off for the rest of the game, just like the rest of the Patriots offensive line and the rest of the players out there. If you weren't running the ball, you were blocking. It was, it was glorious to see. The Bills knew the Patriots were running. America knew the Patriots were running. Had aliens been able to 
tap into a satellite dish somewhere and watch this game, they'd have known the Patriots were running. The Bills were stacking the box all night long and still couldn't stop them. This wasn't just Bill deciding he was going to run. This was a team that had prepared, designed runs, that had prepared every single player on that offense to block exactly how they needed to block on every single design. This was not a fluke. This was not them getting out there and saying, well, we're just going to have to throw some shit at the wall because I don't want my rookie quarterback throwing into this wind. They gave Mac his chance to throw the ball. He threw that ball to Jonu Smith, who bailed him the hell out with a really amazing catch. And they said, all right, you guys know what to do. This was no accident. This was a team prepared to do exactly what they did. This was a team that's been teaching Nikhil Harry to block all year. He is a, has been an excellent blocker. This is a team that had Jakob Johnson out there blocking like a maniac for a reason. This is a team whose offensive line has continued to get better and better and more cohesive every single week. They knew what they were doing. My buddy Doug Farrar from the Touchdown Wire at USA Today He tweeted, the Patriots had nine runs of 10 yards or more with four different players doing it against a defense that was arrayed to do nothing but stop the run. That, friends, is domination. And for what it's worth, Damian Harris left the game in the first half with a hamstring injury. And had he not had that hamstring injury, he might have taken another run to the house other than the 64-yard break he made earlier in the game. These were successful runs. It took until the fourth quarter for the Bills to start shooting those gaps and really make the Patriots pay for their game plan. And by then it was too late. It was a masterful performance by Bill. So let's get to what Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels did and their decision to only let Mac pass the ball three times. Historic. This is a, We have not seen an offense run like this. 93% of the snaps were runs, something like that. Only three passes. We don't see stuff like this in 2021. We haven't seen stuff like this since the 60s and 70s, really. So let's break it down. I've seen some critiques from people I really respect about the way people are responding to Belichick's coaching. A lot of us are looking at this as one of his great coaching performances, as one of the great game plans we've seen from Bill Belichick since he's been with the Patriots for the last 21 years. Other people seem to think we're overreacting. Bet Online has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Mina Kimes wasn't super impressed with Bill Belichick, not in the ways that we were. She says, dude, everyone is bending over backwards to praise Bill Belichick today. Noting his obvious and season-long conservative handling of his rookie QB is not an indictment of Mac Jones. Y'all are sensitive as hell, which I agree. I'm, I, I don't, I'm not worried about it being an indictment of Mac Jones. She says, I thought New England was too conservative with how they handled Jones earlier in the season, and people would be making that point today if the Bills had scored on one of the two times they made it into the red zone in the fourth quarter. 
Again, they didn't score on one of the two times that they made it into the red zone in the fourth quarter because they went up against Bill Belichick's elite defense, the elite defense that he's built all season long to stand up to teams like this and situations like this to stop them from scoring. This is a defense that's always been an excellent scoring defense. This is what they do. This isn't even new to this year. Doing the, if if they had scored, things would be different. They didn't score. And they didn't not, they didn't not score against a team that just got lucky a few defensive plays we haven't seen. This was a team going into the game that Sean McDermott and the Bills knew was going to be difficult to score on. It's not a fluke. You don't get to do that. And in a less polite way, Skip Bayless made his own uh, accusations about Bill Belichick's maybe luck in this situation. Again, uh, Skip, a colleague of mine at Fox Sports, but here's what he said. What I saw last night was an overrated Belichick getting real cute and getting away with it because Josh Allen is not that guy. So here's two people from two different ends of the NFL analyst spectrum, both agreeing that this was, uh, and we're overrating Belichick in this situation. So let's talk about exactly what got Bill Belichick to the point that he could comfortably only ask his rookie quarterback to throw three times in extreme wind and win a game. What we saw from Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels was exactly the reason they've been so conservative with Mac all season. It's why they have slowly but surely helped him get his footing week after week and given him slightly more responsibility week after week rather than throwing him into the fire. Because every single NFL team with a rookie quarterback should know that at some point in the playoffs or in the hunt for the playoffs, their team is going to need the run game in the defense to win the game. Teams with rookie quarterbacks that rely on their passing offense to win, especially down the stretch, especially in the playoffs, don't win playoff games. It's that simple. Name a team that relied on their rookie passer and won a playoff game. I'll wait. It doesn't happen. Let's take a look at the few quarterbacks, the few rookie quarterbacks who have succeeded in the regular season and made it to the playoffs that we can think of. Guys who went on soon after that to win Super Bowls. We'll start with Ben Roethlisberger. Now, if you look back at Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season, what you will realize is that he had a very, very similar statistical season to Mac Jones. He was one of the most accurate passers, completed over 66% of his passes at in 2004, which was third best in the league, played 14 games. So it was third best in the league by the end of the year, threw 17 touchdowns, 11 picks. And that team, that Steelers team, was heavily reliant on their elite defense and on their two-headed monster run game of Jerome Bettis and Deuce Staley, twice in a matter of three games in 2004. So in week 12 and in week 14, the Steelers won games in which Ben Roethlisberger only completed nine passes. They won the games. Their quarterback only completed nine passes through zero touchdowns and two picks in those two games combined. Why do you think that is? Let's skip ahead to Russell Wilson. One year, again, same as Ben Roethlisberger, one year away from winning a Super Bowl. He's a rookie. Week 13, the Seahawks go to division rival Arizona Cardinals. Russell Wilson completes seven of 13 passes and for a touchdown. The Seahawks won that game 58 to nothing. They were in good weather, no elements. Russell Wilson, the Russell Wilson we know now, completes seven passes, no elements. The team won 58 to nothing. Turns out having Marshawn Lynch and the Legion of Boom was probably the reason that team was able to make it to the playoffs with a rookie QB, even a rookie QB who turned out to be Russell Wilson. 
I also heard some criticism that 14 points isn't good enough. It's not good enough. You can't be the kind of team that can only score 14 points and then say that you're a Super Bowl contender. Well, let's take a look at that. Since 2000, there were 27 games in which a team that went on to play in that year's Super Bowl won a game scoring 14 points or less. Unsurprisingly, that includes the 2013 and 2014 Seahawks. Unsurprisingly, that includes the 2012 Baltimore Ravens. Unsurprisingly, that includes the 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers, who did it three times that season. Unsurprisingly, that also includes the 2001, 2003, and 2004 New England Patriots. So you see where I'm getting with this, right? This is not an indictment on Mac Jones. This is not a sign that Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels think he's a trash passer who can't be trusted. This is two coaches who understand that there are going to be games they have to win without their rookie quarterback because rookie quarterbacks are uniquely unqualified to lead their team to wins under certain circumstances, which is why you build a team around them. They are getting better every single week, but rookie quarterbacks do not lead their team to playoff wins or Super Bowls as the strength of their team. It doesn't happen. So you can think whatever you want to think about what happened with Mac Jones. He doesn't have the arm that Josh Allen has. By the way, Josh Allen wasn't this version of Josh Allen when he was a rookie. He could sling the ball, but he wasn't this Josh Allen. And Mac Jones is not a power thrower. He does not, he is not a gunslinger. That is not what he does, especially not as a rookie. He will become a better passer, a stronger, more accurate passer. He will become all of those things down the line if that is what he's meant to become, but it's not in your rookie season. It never is. Now you can you tell me all about Dak Prescott, but what happened to Dak Prescott when he got to the playoffs? He's an impressive athlete. Dak Prescott, again, a huge arm, incredible athlete, a different type of player than Mac Jones on a different type of team than Mac Jones that didn't win a playoff game. If rookie Dak Prescott were the quarterback of the Patriots on Monday night, would they have let him throw more? Maybe not that much more. I promise you not that much more. Acting like Mac Jones is a, a kind of quarterback at this stage in his career that he's not, that would be the bad coaching. I've told you since preseason, if they are going to succeed with a rookie quarterback, it is going to be with that defense. You know it. I know it. The 2004 Steelers knew it. The Seahawks knew it. This is not controversial. These are not new concepts. There was no reason in the world to make Mac Jones start throwing the ball when the Patriots had the lead the entire game. They had the lead the whole time and their defense was doing their job. And Nick Folk made his field goals and they converted their two-point conversion. This is not an indictment on Mac Jones. It's an indictment on the other teams who would have forced Mac Jones to pass because they hadn't built the right kind of team around him to ensure that he didn't have to. And for what it's worth, we have to get over this obsession with how you're supposed to win football games. I talked about this when it came to talking about the legacy of Cam Newton, and I'll talk, it about, I'll talk about it again now. Rushing touchdowns and rushing yards count the same amount as passing touchdowns and passing yards. However you win a football game is the way you win the football game. To not enjoy what Bill Belichick did on Monday night because no one was passing because it was windy, because it was cold, because the score was 14 to 10. To not enjoy that simply because it doesn't look 
like 2021 football, I can't, I, I can't abide by it. There is nothing more awesome than watching a coach remind you how many different ways you can play the game of football, how many different ways you can win. That's why we watch this game. We don't watch it to watch clones of each other do the same thing every single week. The Buccaneers are a totally different team than the Patriots who are a totally different team than the Cardinals who are a totally different team from the Green Bay Packers. And I want it to stay that way. I don't want to watch mirror images of, each, of two teams play each other. I don't want to watch games every single week that are 500 passing yards. Why would you want that? That's insane to me. It's insane to me that you wouldn't watch what the offensive line and the rest of the team did blocking last night. It's insane to me that you wouldn't see what Adrian Phillips and JC Jackson were doing last night. It's insane to me that you would watch that and not enjoy it as a football fan. And speaking of someone who obviously did not enjoy football on Monday night. Shall we? Sean McDermott had a few things to say in response to uh, Belichick running the ball down his throat all game. I'm going to read you his direct quotes. I got this from Nesson.com. So he was asked about, you know, the game plan and all that stuff. And this is what he said. Let's not give more credit than we need to give credit to Bill Belichick on this one. Whether it was Bill or anybody else, they beat us, right? But you sit here and you tell me when we start with an average starting field position of the 40-yard line, and he starts with the 23-yard line, I'm rounding up in both cases. And we were one for four in the red zone and they were 0 for one in the red zone. You give me that ahead of time, I'd say I like my chances. I like my chances. I don't think with all due respect, it's not a Bill Belichick type thing. It's what are you going to do with the opportunities you got? We turned the ball over on the plus 30 something yard line, sloppy football. I'm very comfortable in that situation. So before I get into my own breakdown of what that really means, I have to give at Coach Vass props for this. He said it better than I ever could. Don't give the other head coach too much credit, says the guy who got Jumbo G lead shoved up his ass for four quarters. Well said. Let's elaborate. You can turn to the analytics all you want after a game. Analytics aren't for after the game. They're for before it, dude. You had all those chances in the red zone and you didn't score. Once again, you're going up against a team who regularly does that. They regularly let you get into the red zone and then stop you from scoring. This is a defense that has historically done that. So I don't know why you like your chances, but let's move on. Are you not aware that that there's a defense on the other side of the ball? Are you not aware of that? The other team wasn't getting in the red zone because they didn't need to. They just needed to run the ball long enough and far enough to get Nick Folk to kick a field goal and keep your team from being able to get out there and Fail the pass. That's all they needed to do. So don't do analytics ball placement bullshit after the game when the reality is your game plan sucked. Everybody on the planet knows that running the ball and maintaining possession when you have a lead is the best way to keep the fucking lead. And the Patriots kept doing it over and over and over, as Marshawn Lynch would say. I'm not saying he has to go out there and kiss Belichick's rings or bow at his feet. I totally understand him being salty about the way things went, but that was a Belichick type thing. What you got handed on Monday night was 100% a Belichick type thing. And pretending like it was just some sloppy football on your end, like you lost yourselves the game. Nah, they were leading the whole time and they played like they had the lead the whole time and they trusted their defense. You let them get the lead. You let a team with the best defense in football get a lead in 50 plus mile an hour wins. 
in your house. Take the L. That was a Belichick type thing. And for what it's worth, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer had to answer a really shitty question from a really shitty Buffalo reporter who asked them if it was embarrassing that they had allowed the Patriots to run historically against them. First of all, don't ask two of the team's best players whether they're embarrassed that they didn't successfully defend an offense that no one's seen since the 1970s. That's not, they can be disappointed that they didn't execute. They can be disappointed that they weren't able to make the adjustments until it was too late. Embarrassed? What kind of question is that? You don't ask players that. That's not the way to get players to open up to you about the complexities of the game that they just played and that they lost, a devastating loss. And it doesn't help when their head coach is acting like it was all on the offense. The whole thing is just totally, it's absurd. Bill's mafia is breaking down. They're melting down, Um, which is, by the way, I actually, this is a total side note, but I have a few um, Bill's fans and Bill's media, like, you know, in my little Twitter community, and they're actually always awesome. I really like them. I like the Bill's fans and the Bill's media that I follow and they who follow me more than basically any other team. They really are like pretty self-aware for the most part. The worst of Bill's mafia, obviously, it's always the people that we end up seeing, but that, that reporter just really did them all a disservice because it was, it was an unfair question. It was, it was asked in a totally unprofessional way. And there was a way to make the point to ask about the execution against the run and why they weren't able to make those adjustments sooner and what exactly they were having trouble with without asking, aren't you embarrassed? Tell us you're a salty reporter who can't keep your feelings out of the press room without telling us, right? Anyways, that's all I have for you today. This was awesome to be able to break down one whole game. I think that going forward at this point, the Patriots with their number one seed, they have their fate in their hands. As I've said, having that rookie quarterback, having the deficiencies that they do have in the passing game as of right now, they don't, it doesn't scare me at all back and the offense continue to get better and better, but injuries happen, unforeseen circumstances happen and having that home field advantage would be, I mean, not only would you have to, would you get the buy, but it would just be extraordinary. And, and they're, you know, they have a tough couple, next couple of games because they do have to take on the Colts and the bills in their next two games. Luckily they're getting the Colts off a of buy, which is huge for the Patriots. And it is, it's hard to imagine that they would win that many games all the way through till the end of the season. But after what I saw on Monday night, there's nothing there's no convincing me that this team can't find a way to win their last four games. So we will see how it all plays out. And I will be here with you for the ride. Thank you for tuning in. Check in with me on Twitter and Instagram at Tanya Ray Fox at Shameless TRF. Let me know what you think. I'll be tweeting and talking about this game a lot and about the rest of the uh, AFC and the outlook and the NFL in general. I want to keep I want to keep this conversation alive because I do think that it's going it, it portends a lot for the rest of the season. And I think it says a lot about how we think about the NFL and how football is played in 2021 and some of our biases, you know, some of the things we've been led to believe that maybe aren't so true. Uh, just a nice little reminder that everybody who apparently forgot who Bella Belichick was last season continues to have to eat their shorts. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.